This is the Four Man Rush. Hello, Panther fans, and welcome to another podcast of the Four Man Rush. I'm your host, Timmy Vio, here with Kevin, Will, and the one and only Canardo Greg James, a.k.a. Kenny J, is going to join us today for the first time, I believe, ever on the four-man rush. Now, uh, you want me to call you Canardo or Kenneth or Ken? Hey, everyone. How you doing today? This is Canardo. You can call me Greg, Kenny G, whatever it is you want, man. But we're going to go with Canardo, though. How about that? That's what's up. Canardo. Um, now, Canardo's a part of the four-man rush uh, crew. Uh, he's He's been down since day one. Um, he handles a, a lot of the uh, the social media aspect, and uh, it's more kind of like a um, a go to counselor when it comes to business and things of that nature. So, we're we're, uh, we're really happy to have you on, man. Uh, you drop your panther knowledge on us. Definitely, it's an honor to be a part of all this greatness going on right here, man. Definitely an honor and a Gee. privilege, man. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, we're gonna um, talk about that snowy debacle. And uh, and the, the the frozen tundra, which is uh, um, Lambeau Field, um, we're going to talk about our ask, our, our thoughts about what happened, uh, what what could have happened that would have allowed us to win. We'll talk about the two point conversion everybody's um, up in arms about. Um, Rama's being analytic about it, but you know, we'll give you our take on that, um, good and bad, obviously. Um, and of course, we'll talk about this Atlanta game coming up. Um, our first division game in a, in a while. So yeah, <laughs> it's going to be interesting from here on out, folks, that schedule gets really tricky, especially, especially for a, for a playoff push. It gets really tricky. So stay tuned. It's going to get interesting. So, um, we'll start off with, um, we'll start off with you, Kevin. Um, and then we'll go to, uh, Kenny G and then we'll go talk to Will. Um, all right. So Kev, Good and bad about the uh, game Sunday in Lambeau. Um, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> good and bad. Well, let's see. I ain't a lot of bad is more on my mind for the good. So I'm going to try to, <laughs> I'm going to try to piece together the good. Uh, but overall, considering all aspects of it, I like the fight of our team. That's one of the things that I, I can say was good. I felt like our team never quit. I just feel like that our ability to execute the the scheme that was put together just failed on a physical aspect. Um, what I mean by that is Ron Rivera seemed to put players with players in position, but the players seemed to get themselves out of position with without much effort, you know, to maintain what we've been saying time and time again, gapped integrity. Mm. But one thing that uh, I did like was another solid game by Christian McCaffrey. Uh, his resume is just continuing to get better. I believe he had over another 100 yards rushing. Yes, sir. Um, I think he had 20 carries for 108 yards and a TD, and he had another 33 yards uh, receiving on six catches. So, mm. Uh, that put him about what one forty one total yards from scrimmage, doing his thing, man. You know, from that, that's that's kind of average for him. Now we used to that being up a little bit more. Anybody else? That's a that's a career day for a lot of running backs. But McCaffrey set the bar a lot higher in twenty nineteen. So we're yeah. <laughs> grown to uh, expect a little bit more. But 
overall, uh, one of the main good things that can come out of is the play of Kyle Allen. He, I know people want to talk about the fumble, which God help us all. I think it's what his seventh lost fumble of the year, and hmm. I think he had a he had a untimely pick, but he played his heart out. He he played hard. He he showed grit and gut, and he won the respect of not only his teammates but you know the opponents as well. So that was another thing that was that I, that was positive to see. Uh, another positive was the play of old man Greg Olson. Mm-hmm. The old man almost had 100 yards. He had uh, eight catches for 98 yards. He was targeted 10 times, eight catches. That's a pretty good clip. Mm-hmm. Um, DJ Moore, 11 targets, nine receptions for 120 yards. I mean, based on the adverse conditions with the weather, you know, I feel like offensively, we players were making enough plays to position ourselves for the win, but just certain things just just didn't fall our way at the times that it needed to be. As far as the bad, oh, God. Uh, I mean, Tim, is, I know you've been fuming about the run defense, so I know you'll definitely put your your take on, on your aspect of it, but as someone that played defensive line himself, it's just it's, it's utter embarrassment. Let me just call it for what it is. I mean, first running play, they get nine yards right up the gut, and I'm just seeing – our defensive lineman just getting moved two gaps over from what it's supposed to be. Like, it's no wonder that we're not seeing Luke Keekley have the normal stellar year because he's got linemen on him probably right after the ball is snapped because our defensive linemen are not occupying blocks. It seems as if they're more intent with trying to penetrate than to occupy blockers. And that's something that's seems to have a trickle-down effect to why our defense is not effective as it needs to be in the run. Well, I mean, we're 32nd in running yards allowed. I think we're 31st in average yards per carry. We're 32nd in red zone defense. So, yeah, throw throw the whole defensive defense away at this point in time because it's just it's just very it's just very depressing to you know, watch this team try to stop the run. Something that under Ron Rivera is one thing we could count on. I think Will had mentioned earlier, when the season started, if you'd have told us run defense was going to be a problem, you know, we would have looked at you and laughed because historically we've always been a under Ron Rivera a top ten team when it comes to stopping the run. So to be thirty second right now is definitely bad. Uh, yeah, that, that's all I can say about it right now, man. I'm, I'm getting upset again. Hey, feel free. Shit. <laughs> Kenny G, drop some knowledge on us, man. What's good? What's going on, brother, man? It's, man, I'm really going to agree with the sentiments of Kevin, but I know he's talking about the run defense, and I can get into that as well. But, you know, when the, the one play that really got me hot and bothered was the Dante Jackson. I think it was third and 26. Oh, the you, know, you, you had opportunity right there. You know what I'm saying? You had the backs against the raw, and. You had opportunity to get the ball back and make some things happen. You give up a third and 26, you know, when you're on the road in harsh conditions, you know, against a great team like the Green Bay Packers, that's that's the type of play that you can't give up. So I'm very disappointed in Dante Jackson. You know, as talented as the guy is, you know, he's definitely adds a lot of speed to the secondary, but he kind of freelances at times. And, you know, sometimes it pays off and then sometimes it comes back and bites him into, you know what? So that play right there really pissed me off. The run defense, 
you know, we're we're really on pace to become one of the worst rush defenses in the, in the, in history. You know, <laughs> we're yeah. allowing five yards per carry, one touchdown per game. You know, as far as the rush con- is concerned, so that that's not good company to be in right there. I think the last time that happened was the 0-16 Detroit Lions. So yeah, let, let, let's talk about that. But mm. as far as the good, you know, obviously at the top of that list is McCaffrey. We're, we're blessed to have this guy. You know, hopefully we can work some things out in the offseason to, to bring him back. But, hey, man, you know, another stellar day from him. Kyle Allen, you know, outside of the fumble and the interception where he was trying to make something happen. I was fuming at that at first, but, you know, I listened to Will, you know, talk about it earlier in the week, and he kind of calmed me down about it. Hey, you know, he's trying to make some things happen. He's a gunslinger. You know, Jake Delahome was that way. Brett Favre was that way. So he's kind of following in those footsteps. So, you know, he was just trying to make a play happen, and it, it didn't go out the way as, as as he planned. But, you know, this is a good football team. You know, we we went in there. We, we did the best that we could. But, you know, when you're – you're going in to, you know, the Lambeau field or a great team like that. And, you know, you got to be, you know, hitting on all cylinders. And, you know, we, man, we got a long way to go, man. If we want to make the playoffs or you want to go a little bit further than that, you know. But And then <laughs> we'll get into the two-point conversion a little later on as well. You know, that that's a whole topic on itself right there. So I'll hold off on that a bit. But once again, man, Dante Jackson, that third and 26, that cannot happen again. I think if it does happen again, you got to put him in a doghouse. Absolutely. You know, the same thing that – Happens with Josh Norman, you know, is he's a very talented, but sometimes he wanted to freelance as well. And he got put in the doghouse and you see what he turned into for a few years. So I think Dante Jackson, you know, hey, you know, I, I love the guy, but you know, that that's something that you you can't you can't do, man. You can't give up a third and twenty six, man. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was that was critical. That was critical too, man. And just for the record, technically, fellas, because I just looked it up and confirmed it was actually second and twenty six because um McCoy and Butler had got a sack on Rodgers to put it at a yep. uh, to push him back. Yep. Plus, there was a penalty as well. So, it was. yeah, technically that was second and 26 that he gave up. So we want to, mm. you know, like I said, I always pride ourselves on, on telling that mm. actual even when we're discussing it. But mm. either way, it shouldn't have damn happen. You know, like 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 Coach said, you know, undisciplined eyes, you know, looking in the you know, backfield when you need to be focusing on your area of responsibility. But I'll let Will dip in that because he seemed to light people's ass up about it when he talked about it. Yeah, jump in there, Will. Yeah, um, other than what's been discussed already, I think um, special teams miscues were pretty significant yesterday. I mean, we the defense got a stop, forced Green Bay to a field goal. Wide right, we're off the field. You know, it was 21, I think it was 21 to 10 at that point. So it's two scores to win the game. But unfortunately, we had a guy lined up over the center, which is a rule you can't do. The center has to be uncovered during the field goal. So they got a five-yard penalty and a second attempt at the kick. And it's 24 to 10 instead of 21 to 10. And then they, later on, you had DeAndre White, young player. You know, we're going through young, growing pains with these young players. Muffed up a kickoff and it cost his field position. And these are just kind of some of the small things that happened yesterday that just can't happen against good teams like the Packers. So I think in addition to the turnovers and the run defense, those are some other plays that um, affected the outcome of the game yesterday. But I, I mean, I don't know. I was disappointed with the loss. I felt they had a chance to gain ground in this close wild card race, this close division race, and they just took a, you know, just made it more difficult on ourselves. But we're still sitting in good position. We were five and four still in the hunt. Two games back in the division, one game back in the wild card. So let's just see what they have. As far as the offense, I thought this was Kyle Allen's best game 
as a pro. I mean, if he doesn't turn the ball over those two times, we're talking about, you know, probably a legendary performance where he went toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers in the snow in Lambeau Field and helped will the team to victory. But, you know, it's just a learning experience. He has to be more careful with the football. But, <clears throat> excuse me, the um, that's no excuse for the defense not to be able to get stops, though. I watched the Seattle Seahawks versus the 49ers last night. Seattle turned the ball over four times, including fumbled the ball on the 49ers' two-yard line as they were driving in. They still won that game in overtime because their defense got stops. They held the offense down. They played complimentary football. You know, if this guy messes up, we'll step up and make up for it. And I just don't see that from the Panthers. You know, we turned the ball, you know, we fumbled the ball on the 50-yard line. The last couple plays, you know, Green Bay's down in a play or two already in the goal line. And then the worst red zone defense in the NFL, which is the Panthers, just can't get a stop. So, you know, that's just things like that. You know, I just want to see better complimentary football from this team. I thought nobody mentioned that roughing the passer, quote-unquote, penalty. I thought hurt us. Even though we got to stop, Gerald McCoy stepped up, you know, told the ref, you know, ball don't lie, made a stop mm-hmm. before we going into the half. But it cost us four minutes. I mean, we made a stop, got off the field. We would have had the ball with good field position with Precisely. four minutes left in the half. But Precisely. that bum roughing the passer penalty, you know, we it was a setback as well. So it's just a lot of things, you know, determine the outcome of this game. Uh, I thought they fought hard, played well in the snow. It was a fun game to watch. Disappointed that we lost, but there's also a lot of positives, I think, to take from it. Yeah, there's there's definitely some positives to take from this, man. Um, as you mentioned, you know, the biggest thing for me, again, is Kyle playing the way he did after all the things that happened prior to that fourth quarter and that final drive. He, I mean, seriously, a, a weaker individual would have just kind of threw his hands up and and say, oh well, you know, we tried. You know, let me just let's, let's just get off the field. I'm 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 cold. That kid, man, that was if I'm not mistaken, a 17, 19 play drive, right? I mean, he's just 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 hitting people with dimes too. That, the kid can play. The kid can play, man. It, that was it was good to see. Again, the turnovers with this with with, with Kyle is really <laughs> it bugs me when we whenever we turn over the ball anyway. But it. it, it he has gotten better with the fumbles, okay? It wasn't Arizona. It wasn't Houston, okay? He has gotten he has gotten somewhat better, okay? Um, and I, I'm not going to fault him for, for making that play in the end zone. The ball got tipped. The defense defense made a good play. Well, what, what, what can you do? Um, it was second down when he made that decision. Again, you know, it's the inexperience, knowing down a distance and things like things of that nature. But, I mean, the kid <laughs> – that last drive made up made it up for me. Um, we 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 damn near tied up the game, had an opportunity to tie up the game and go into overtime um, with a kid that wasn't even drafted, right? That bounced around for a little bit and wound up, you know, behind Heineke last year, right? If Heineke didn't even get hurt, folks, this man wouldn't even stepped on the field, and here he is keeping us in the game on the road in the snow against Dagum Aaron Rodgers. I got, I got, I got, I got to give it to him, man. He's a, he's, he's gonna be all right. He's gonna be all right. But this run defense is gonna get Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera fired. This, this, this is gonna get that man fired right here. Oh my gosh! Go ahead, bro. So what people fail to realize about Kyle Allen, I mean, the quarterback position is gonna be the most scrutinized, and I agree with that. Every Panthers quarterback back since Kerry Collins and Jake Delone was the most scrutinized guy on the team. But when you just put piece together his career path, he's a rookie. 
because last year he was released prior to roster cuts, fought back late in the season at, because we had suffered so many injuries at the quarterback position, and he played one game. So he didn't really have a full season under his belt with the Panthers. He was just released, sitting on his couch. We bought him back. Now this is his first year where he's had a full, you know, mini camp, full training camp, full preseason, came into the league on the roster and working with the ones. So when you just, you know, put the pieces together, we're talking about a rookie quarterback. So, yes, I, I'm not saying he's not subject to be scrutinized. You know, criticism is fair. But with rookie quarterbacks, you just got to live with that stuff. I mean, they haven't seen these things yet. I mean, every interception is a learning experience. Every fumble is a learning experience. You know, he's going to go back, sit back with Norv and Scott, who I think they've done a good job, you know, with Cam last year and Kyle this year. And we'll iron out those mistakes and be better versus Atlanta. I think the only thing you want to see is make sure, you know, what happened last week, you know, throwing the interception in the red zone like that, just make sure it doesn't happen again. And that's how you get better every week. That's true, man. That's true. Um, so let's let's go ahead and jump in in this <laughs> this two point conversion situation. Um, and the, the the idea, the analytics behind that, Ron Rivera was uh, was speaking of the analytical part of it. Um, Kevin, you wanna you wanna start us off on the uh, the two point conversion that could have been, should have been. Yeah, and real quick before we jump in that, I just thought I would bring this up because it uh, just popped up on my phone again while we was here. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, the Panthers only got seven total quarterback pressures on Aaron Rodgers. End up sacking him two times for a total of eight yards loss. Mm-hmm. Two players, just two, from the uh, Green Bay Packers, defensive tackle Kenny Clark and edge rushes Darius Smith. Clark had 10 pressures by himself, and Darius Smith had 12 by himself. So, Two players had 22 pressures among themselves, and our entire assortment of pass rush specialists that we've been raving and bringing up, talking about, could only muster up seven. So that I, that's the stuff right there that just—I—I just—I just felt like our fans should know this, and you fellas should know this, that we got tripled the amount of pressure uh, by two players from the Packers versus what our entire assortment of defensive um, front seven players could muster. That's that's just yeah. something that's just, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Tim. I had to had to share that, you know, with y'all guys. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> damn. But anyway, <laughs> back to this two-point conversion. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest. When when it happened, I, I had the WTF face. Like, what the are we doing? Because we're so used to the mind thinking that hey, you're down 14, you score a touchdown, you kick the extra point. Now another touchdown, an extra point, the game is tied. You know that's what we're we're trained and we're used to used to thinking. Mm-hmm. But with the analytics that Ron Rivera's referring to. He said it was something that him and Noel Turner had discussed during the week for different situations. And apparently, according to their analytics, the choice to go for two there was to give us the best opportunity to win without having to face any overtime is what it comes down to. 
Now, majority of fans may not agree with that, and I can understand that because of how we're used to thinking. But, you know, this is the age where decisions are coming down to where this is now more of a deciding factor versus the status quo of, you know, touchdown, extra point, touchdown, extra point. You know, decisions are made that teams will feel like based on the flow of it, and that's something Rivera has been saying lately in his press conference that, you know, a lot of times the flow of the game are dictated. I I don't fault him for wanting his players to be on the road and to take chances to come walk out of there with a win. You, I definitely appreciate that aspect of it. But as a fan, it, it, it took me until today to kind of understand more why he did it. I may not agree, but at least I can kind of see more of the reasoning behind it. But uh, I'll let the rest of these fellas, you know, at, you know, give their in-depth about it. That's that's just how I feel. Right on. Ken? What do you think, Kenneth? It's just one of those situations, Tim, where, you know, damn if you do, damn if you don't. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just basically, you know, if he, if, if he converts that two-point conversion, he's a genius. You know, and if, if he didn't, which he didn't convert the two-point conversion, you know, he comes off looking kind of foolish, you know, so that's that's really what it is. And I know where as, as smart or intelligent as far as football is Ramavir or North Turner, so there's no way that I'm just going to, you know, sit there and just, you know, put too much judgment on the situation. But at the end of the day, I know that they were trying to do what they thought was best for the team at the time, you know, in harsh conditions at Lambeau Field against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. So I feel like they did what they had to do. And like I said, you know, they would have made it in eight, man. We would have been raving about it. But no, they didn't. And here we are right now, you know. And that wasn't the only deciding factor of the game. Obviously, there were more things that could have happened. But as far as the two-point conversion and the analytics part of it, you know, uh, <laughs> I know that's kind of where the game is going nowadays. But at the same time, it's okay to use common sense and it's okay to be simple. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that that's not my place to speak on it. But that, that's really all I have to say about it, brother. Mm-hmm. Makes good points, man. Will, what you think, man? I know you had a great well, breakdown I- about this. Yeah, but like Ron said, it was purely an analytics call. So what that means, this summer, we David Tepper is an analytics guy. That's one thing he wanted to bring to the table as an owner. He wants the team to make well-informed decisions that's backed by actual data. And they just want to use analytics to improve game and clock management. And I think this is a situation where Ron decided to use the analytics department to make a decision on whether to kick an extra point or go for two. The way it works is you're down by eight. So there's four possible outcomes. You can kick two extra points. So, I mean, it's not a guarantee you make an extra point in the snow with the wind like that. But, you know, you kick two extra points. That's 14 points. You go into overtime, which is basically 50-50. It's a crapshoot. You flip a coin. Aaron Rodgers gets the ball. You're uh, relying on the worst run defense you know, one of the worst run defenses in the league to stop this Packers offense, you know, stop Aaron Rodgers. So going into overtime in the snow on the road at Lambeau, I mean, the probability is winning the game. And that's what analysts is about, what action helps you win the game the most. So going into overtime isn't what you want. So what do you do? You can go for two now. If you go for two once and get it here, you kick the extra point to win the game. Because you'll get the two-point conversion. You'll be down by six. You score on the final drive, kick the extra point. You win by one. So going for two and kicking the extra point 
gives you the best path to win in that case. If you miss a two-point conversion, you're still down by eight, and you can have a two shots to get a two-point conversion. So now you have two attempts to get it. So if you get it the second time, now you're going into overtime just like you would by kicking the extra point. Or in our case, you know, you miss the miss both two-point conversions, you end up losing the game. So that's just kind of how the decision-making works and determining the analytics. I mean, I think it makes sense. You know, like Hermet would say, you play to win the game. <laughs> I think Ron just made a decision. He felt that mm. going for two there, you know, you're set up in a good situation where you kick an extra point and you win the ball game and get out of there with no extra overtime. So, I mean, I'm not going to question it. I mean, you question, you know, live during the game, I'm thinking, what the hell is he doing? But now that I'm more familiar with that process, I'm I'm just going to let them run the team and just hopefully they, you know, hopefully it works out next time. Yeah, hopefully, man. Hopefully. It is what it is. It is what it is. He took he took a, he took a, a you know, a, a, a statistically, I guess you could say safer move or a smarter move by going for that and would have got us off the field man you know march down the field score a touchdown and kick a field goal and way yeah we won but no you know um like 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 canardo said man you know damn if you do damn if you don't you know we we play to win the game we didn't succeed in the uh the initial two-point conversion and you know just it just came out that way man but they busted our ass I, I I give it to them. They busted the tail, but that that defense let us down, in in a, in a way that I haven't. Seen. It seems to me, it seems to me that after San Francisco, if you are a perennial Pro Bowler like a McCoy and a Poe, and, and you know, it, it, it seems like you would take more pride in shutting down those a gaps. It seems like you will take more pride in, in in causing havoc up front, so your linebackers, so the guys behind you can fly in there and bust somebody in the mouth. It seems like you would take more pride in being a team player. I don't I don't see that. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's just just, just the cockiness is just taking over. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in that locker room. It's right right now. I wish we had TD. Right, right now is the time I wish we had Thomas Davis. Right now, because I, I really think he would he would jerk some asses up in that locker room and get people straight. Because you know, Luca's not that kind of guy, man. Luca's not going to grab you, grab you by the collar and, and, and look you in the eye and say, "Bro, you need to step up." You know what up, bro? He's not that kind of guy. Who is in that locker room right now? That's that's on his level. It, that, that worries me, man. It really does. It really does. Yeah, when you look at the run defense, I mean, the efforts there at this thing, we have a team that's built to rush the passer, so they sacrifice the big guys that can occupy blocks and keep your linebackers clean, and they brought in a lot of speed guys to get after the quarterback. Our edge rushers are all small, undersized guys that can, you know, get after the quarterback, but, you know, how good are they in setting the edge? The same thing with the defensive tackles. They're Pat Vernon Butler, you know, for example. He likes to rush the passer. That's what he does best. Same thing with Gerald McCoy. They're the three-technique types. Mm-hmm. So in the 4-3 defense, the three-technique's the guy that's going to get that one-on-one matchup with the guard and get after the quarterback. Then we don't have the star, the guy that's going to occupy blocks and keep your linebackers clean. And I think that's part of it. Plus, we're playing a lot of nickel defense. And nickel, you know, you're sacrificing, you know, a linebacker who's more stout against the run versus a nickel corner. 
who's smaller and more built for coverage. Mm. And that's another problem with the run defense is defensive backs haven't been very effective in filling gaps. And I mean, that's from the safeties. I think Eric Reed and Trey, ba Trey Boston, he did good in coverage, but he struggles, you know, coming up and filling run gaps. Mm. Uh, Eric Reed, you know, I'm getting tired of just the shoulder tackles and not wrapping up. And, you know, he's not doing a good job filling gaps. And then our defensive backs, our corners also, when it's their turn to step up and make a tackle, they're allowing a lot of yards after contact. So mm. it's just been a collective effort as far as the run defense goes. But what really bothers me, okay, we had two games this year, a chance to win the game or at least tie the game on the one-yard line and mm. came up short both times. So despite the turnovers, the run defense, everything else, we had two games. We're in position to win the ball game or tie the ball game on the opponent's one-yard line, last play of the game. Both times we, we got cute and failed to punch the ball in the end zone. I'm just saying, where's Armour? Where's Manhurts in those situations? Maybe I'm too old school, but Shit. if I need a yard, I just want to put my biggest guys in there. Makes give it sense. to my running back. Give it to McCaffrey. Let him either slam it in there or jump over top. You know, remember yeah. Jonathan Stewart used to be back there. One yeah. yard was easy. Just give it to Jay Stu. He's just going flying over the top of the pile. Get yeah. you that six points, you know, yeah. call it a day. So I just want to see more old-fashioned Smash mouth ball mm -hmm. in the goal line. Stop being so cute. Mm-hmm. Hey, Larry. Larry Reynolds, ladies and gentlemen, has joined the Four Man Rush podcast. What's up, Larry? Hey, how you guys doing tonight? Well, we could be better. <laughs> we could have won <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> hey, uh, what's good, bro? We all have that feeling. Real, real quick, man. How, how was how was how was the trenches, man? Speak on the trenches, real quick, for us, uh, uh, if you don't mind, Larry. Um, I'm very displeased with one particular position group, and that's my defensive tackles. A lot of people have questions about why our run defense is so horrendous. I'm not going to put all the blame on them, but I know stopping the run starts with them. And if they don't do their job, nobody else can do their do their job. So what I'm seeing is, you know, Butler, McCoy getting blown off the ball or getting knocked over two, three gaps, and it's just leaving gaping holes for running backs to get through. Also, they're not keeping their linebackers clean. I don't know if anyone noticed, but Luke Keekley had one solo tackle all game. Yeah. Never had that in my whole life. So, and I know yeah. it's not because of Luke, because his his film preparation is out, outstanding, and he's always done a good job against Aaron Rodgers. It really just came down to he couldn't even read and react when he goes to make a make a move. They had guards and centers and tackles on him already, and I blame that on my DTs. Mm -hmm. So that's what stood out the most to me. And it's not just them. Like I said, it just starts with them. Uh, Bruce Irvin didn't do a good job of setting the edge. Uh, I noticed that a couple of the big runs were off of his butt. And then um, offensively, I think, you know, the line is just that it is what it is at this point. We know guys' strengths. We know guys' weaknesses. I think North has to do a better job in putting them in the position to succeed. I know every once in a while we give up a pressure or we give up a sack, but how come we're not seeing more bootlegs? How come we're not seeing more rollouts, getting guys moving? That'll actually buy Allen more time. I just don't see enough of that. That's pretty much how I feel about the trenches this week. Mm -hmm. Hey, um, hey guys, I, I have us on um Instagram Live right now, um, on our uh, on our uh, uh, our feed, and um, there's a question actually that somebody asks. Um, Cardo, you touched on this briefly about um, Dante Jackson. Um, and they basically want to know if uh, uh if, if Dante is a long term fix at that position. Considering how he was, you know, he's been he's been up and down ever since he got off of that injury. 
Man, I honestly think he is, Tim. I, I do think he's the long-term answer. But, you know, I, I think, you know, it's almost like, you know, you have to discipline a child, you know, at an early age. You know, when, uh, <laughs> Facts. You know, Facts, you're going bro. to the store and you, it's almost like, you know, my mother told me one time, you know, you she went I went in the store one time with her and I was I wanted something and I started crying and falling all over on the on the ground and whatnot. And, and she spanked my behind that one time and that never happened again. So mm-hmm. I think it's a situation right here. It's very similar with Dante Jackson. You know, you, you keep on giving up big plays like this and, you know, you want to freelance. If you sit his behind on that bench one time, sit him down for about a game or so, and that's going to wake his ass up. And I think that's really what needs to happen with him. You know, you, you saw that one play where the wide receiver had him beat, man. You know, he, yeah, he, he was smoked. beat. He was smoked. And for him, you know, just to, to stay calm and composed as he was and catch back up with that receiver and break up that play, that right there is showing you the potential that he has. So, mm-hmm. you know, he showed flashes of brilliance. But, you know, at, at times, you know, you have to be consistent. You know, in order to be great in this league, you want to be the next best thing, you have to be consistent. It's not all about talent. It's about hard work and actually paying attention. So, you know, that that's my answer to that. Right. I love Dante Jackson, but, you know, I think that's something that needs to happen. He needs to be disciplined. But in the doghouse, just like Josh Norman, and I feel like some things have happened for him. Right on, man. Hey, Kevin, you was going to say something? Yeah, I was just saying that, you know, if you told me that without James Bradbury – we would have held Aaron Rodgers to 200 yards, no touchdowns. I would have said we probably would have won by 14. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, like I said, man, with this trash-ass run defense, man, giving up eight yards. I'm tired of looking at the numbers, man. I had to put my iPad down, man, because I was just getting, you know, mad all over again. But the only person that really got off for them was Devontae Adams. He had seven catches for like a buck 18. Mm. Um Jimmy Graham had that one big pass, which, you know, we got to call it like it is. You know, Luke got caught with dirty eyes and allowed Jimmy Graham to slip behind him. Well, Luke normally drops back and gets great depth. I mean, we all know Luke Keekly is is the premier, you know, coverage linebacker in, in the NFL. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But, you know, like Rivera said, these dirty eyes will will get you in trouble, man. And, and even the great ones like, like Luke Keekly, you know, gets – Snake bitten, you know, in a, on occasion by that as well. So, you know, I, I'm hoping to see a, a pissed off, fired up defensive unit come Sunday in the cold fields of Bank of America Stadium when we, um, when the Milano buzzers come to town. Uh, so, uh, I guess we can, uh, I guess we could talk briefly about um, some moves that the uh, Panthers have made so far. Um, we brought on some uh, former players. Um, and we uh, signed up, signed up some um, some veterans too. So let's see, uh, Larry, are you are you familiar with uh, some of the moves? Or if you want to talk about West Horton, I guess we're all familiar with him. True that. Uh, I was familiar with uh, I think his name is Montesero, one of the offensive tackles that we uh, added. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing him at Boston College. You know when I was uh, scouting. The guard at the Falcons ended up picking up uh, Lindstrom. So I seen a little bit of him. He's a big body guy, but I don't know much about him. Um, I really haven't done my homework on these guys just yet, but I'll have some more information on them next week. Cool. Uh, Will, um, let's see. I, th- I know we brought in a running back from the Bears. Are you familiar with him? Yeah, we bought in – we bought back Corn Elder first from uh, Nickel Corner. No corner. The problem is we got um, – Bradbury got a groin injury. Man. And the injury report, I think, come out tomorrow, but – Bradbury got a groin injury. Dante re-injured his groin, and Cockrell got a knee injury. 
So we're down three corners. So we bought back Corn Elder to add some depth to that room. We also got um, Mike Davis, a corner a running back from a former Gamecock. And he played for the Chicago Bears last year. He had about 500 yards rushing and a couple hundred yards receiving. So, I mean, he gives a good, versatile back, brings a good skill set to the table. I mean, uh, just, you know, I mean, what's the point, though? I mean, we all have good backs and we don't use them. So, exactly. is he going to actually, you know, get reps in his backfield? Or is he just going to be Christian McCaffrey's third water boy? So, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, if North plans on using him, I think he could be a productive player. But if not, yes, Christian McCaffrey can got three guys instead of two to keep the bench warm when he comes to the sideline. You know, we're getting late in the winter time, So, we'll see. Oh man, <laughs> uh, Kevin, what's well? Who else? Who else we picked up? Anybody? I'm sorry, my that was bad. Good one. Uh, I, I wasn't was ready for that. Appreciate that, that Will. That was good. That was good. One. Will Will's like the Shannon, the Shannon Sharp of the four man rush right here. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, Kevin. Any any other moves we made? Um, outside of those fellas, I mean, nothing to real. Major significance that most fans would know. I mean, we just, uh, you know, we released the offensive linemen, um, released a couple of offensive linemen on the practice squad, added another one. Um, just like Larry said, hadn't had a lot of time to really, you know, research and study these guys. So, you know, these are the, you know, bottom of the barrel depth moves that's, you know, pertaining to the practice squad. But, um you know, from what it was, from what I was told, the picking up of Moncrief at wide receiver and Davis is going to net us uh, two cop picks for the 2020 draft. Now, I, I get it. We're in November. We're, we're trying to fight to get to the playoffs. Nobody's ready to talk draft, but that was brought up. I saw that on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken, that you know, about picking up Moncrief and. Davis off waivers that that's going to now give us two cop picks in the 2020 draft. So that leaves us with, as of now, because we know how pitch can change, you know, if trades being done, that now leaves us with nine draft picks in the 2020 draft. And I'm thinking that with so many mm -hmm. players on one year contracts, you know, this year, mm -hmm. maybe they're already looking mm -hmm. down the road potentially as who they have an idea who they might keep, who they might, want to let go of and that's why they figured to you know up the ante and and just find a low-key way to add some more picks so uh you know comp picks anywhere from the third to the sixth round so you know look like it's going to be some you know day two day three you know additions that we uh, possibly could use so yeah that's pretty much uh what most of the um low-key moves by the uh, low-key player personnel moves that was made by the team. Main thing I'm seeing uh, seeing from it is uh, giving us a couple extra uh, draft picks just coming draft. Mm. Yeah, we'll we'll need to put that on the uh, on some D line depth. That's for darn sure. Um, it's gonna be interesting what this roster is gonna look like after these uh, these one year deals are are out the way because we're gonna have to make some hard decisions next year. And I'm not even bringing. Yeah, I mean. Came the night I'm sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah, I was just no. I was just saying, like, I mean, Addison, he's on his last year. Mm. Uh, Vernon Butler last year. McCoy, you know, one year. Bruce Irvin, one year. I mean, um, trying to think, is there anybody else that I can uh, think of that's not defensive rotation? 
uh, if I'm not mistaken, Obata, you know, one year. So, yeah, majority of, you know, players, starters, and key rotational depth players, Cal Love, one year. So, yeah, the, yes, yeah, it's, and the good thing is, if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, Will had mentioned in, we was discussing earlier that this is going to be a a heavy loaded draft again for uh, guys in the trenches on both sides of the ball, and something that that Larry has been screaming for years is to uh, build his team up through the trenches uh, via the draft instead of you know signing these free agents with these coming off leg, lower leg injuries that seem to never fully allow them to get back. So you know I'm, I'm all aboard with a total overhaul of the of the trenches via the draft this year. You know, I think Canardo even said it, you know, we spend four picks on, on, in the, on, in the trenches. That's fine with him as well. So the offensive defense line is probably the top priority, but uh, let's put all this draft talk, you know, off for later. Let's, let's just hope we can sing and dance our way into this, you know, playoffs scenario. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. When I look at the defense, you know, you guys are talking about one year deals. Who do we have in the contract? That's not on a one-year deal. Was it Luke, mm-hmm. Dante, Eric Reed? <laughs> Everybody right. else has to be re- well. You know, of course, the rookies like Ryan Burns and them. But as far as key guys, we got a lot of people that we got to decide if we want to bring back or move on from. Mm-hmm. Now, I tell you what, the best way for us to get into the playoffs, okay, is to win this division. And we we win the NFC South outright. We're we're gonna be all right. Um, and that starts with Atlanta on Sunday. And, you know, the contract situation is, 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 is key, you know, but it would be nice if we knew what we had with these young players that we have on the team right now so we can make a um, make, make some really good moves in the offseason. So um, hopefully we can, we can see some better things from these young guys uh, on Sunday against Atlanta who beat the Saints, mind you. Now, I love that. I love that. I love it. Love it. The, sh- the the shock on their faces when they was taking that L from Atlanta. That was hilarious. <laughs> I loved it. That was fun. That was fun. That was fun. Um, so, Falcons, Panthers, Sunday, 1 o'clock, right? Yep, 1 o'clock from Bank of America. Y'all know I'll be sitting up in session 5.50 as always. Yeah, man. But, you know, since, since one of us lives – in the central of Dirty Bird world, I I, I would love for, yeah. for Larry to kick off and 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 give us his like he always hear the radio talk and yeah. all that's going on and you know I've been seeing on internet you know these Falcon fans they feeling swole talking about we're next <laughs> like all right slow your roll you know because we coming in pissed off too so yeah, but yeah I, yeah let, I, I've been waiting for Larry to give me his Falcon yeah. preview so. I'm gonna step aside and, and shut what they call the hell up. Yeah, drop weight, Larry. Drop weight on them, man. Well, they made for them to get that W. They made some major changes that might have gone unnoticed. I know I told you guys earlier in the year that Dan Quinn, similarly to Ron Rivera, he took over play calling, and obviously from them being one of the worst defenses in the league, that hasn't worked out in his favor so far. So what he did is the linebacker coach he promoted him to making the play calls. And the biggest move that they made is uh, Raheem Morris, who was traditionally a D-back coach. Mm -hmm. He's been the Falcons' receiver coach for the last few seasons. They actually moved him back to where he's comfortable. He's now the DB coach. And what you might have noticed on Sunday, if you got a chance to look at that Saints game, 
their defensive backs, even without Desmond Trufant, they were playing a lot more aggressive. Um, all year long, they've been 10 yards off the ball, playing zone, not too comfortable. Uh, young guy, Isaiah Oliver, has been getting picked on a lot. So what Raheem did is he actually gave put them in a position to play a little bit more aggressive. Um, they played a whole lot more man this week coming up. I expect them to be right up in uh, Curtis Samuel's face, right up in DJ Moore's face. They're going to play hard man on the outside. One of their biggest concerns about us, which I've heard Dan Quinn talking about, is the speed that we have. He says that we have speed just about everywhere, which is not something that, mm-hmm. you know, you're used to when you're game planning for a Carolina Panthers offense. You're right. Because for years, we've just been a big ground and pound football team. But now there's speed everywhere. And it sounds like he's pretty concerned because that's pretty tough to game plan for. So I expect their DBs to be right up in our faces. They're going to make Curtis and DJ beat them off the ball. And they're going to be more aggressive now. You're going to see a lot more blitzing. You're going to see – uh. Let him try to put pressure on a young quarterback. He has some concerns about Kyle Allen. He says not only can he uh, whip it around and throw the ball pretty well, but he also has that ability to get out of the pocket and make some things happen. So that's something that they're planning for. I think what we have to plan for as far as facing their defense is if they had any bright spots all year long, there's one bright spot. They gave this guy a ton of money in August. But Grady Jarrett is a grown man. He's what we want our DTs to be. He's mm. stout in the run game. He definitely commands a double team every single down, and he has pass rush abilities that are like none other. He's been a disruptive force for them all year long, even on a bad defense. Offensively, uh, we don't have too much more in game plan than we've had in, in years previous. This should be a good matchup for us because, for one, their number one running back is out. Devontae Freeman, he's not expected to play. Thank God. Uh, their, their backup, Edo Smith, I think is out. They might have put him on uh, IR. So what we're looking at is a matchup similar to when we face the Tennessee Titans. You got a guy named Brian Hill that's about 240 pounds, a big bruising guy who also has the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. He actually scored a touchdown via the air against the Saints on Sunday. So they're going to try to line up and do every, what everybody else has been doing all year. They're going to run right at us, right up the middle, and hope that their offensive line can beat our def- our defensive line. That's where I do have a slight bit of confidence. Their offensive line is trash. It's worse than ours. You know, I expect the fact that we have so much money tied up into our defensive line, this is an opportunity for us to dominate. Don Terry Poe was let go by them. He didn't even want to leave. They just let him go. He should have a chip on his shoulder. He should expect to dominate. Gerald McCoy has plenty of experience playing against the Falcons. I expect him to dominate like he has done in the past. Uh, All year long, Matt Ryan's been running for his life, taking a beating. He missed, I think he missed last game just because he had a high ankle sprain from taking a beating. So nothing should change up. We should expect to try to hit this man as much as possible. And it's all going to start in the trenches. Like I said before, we have any advantage over the Falcons. We are better than them in the trenches, even though we haven't been, we haven't even been that good. We're still better than them, so that's what I expect to see this upcoming Sunday. Establish the run, establish the dominance. We're at home. We got to you know get up on them early so we can pin our ears back and get after them. But we have to dominate with the big guys. That's what it's going to come down to. As usual, my man, games are won in the trenches. Um, Canardo. What what do you what do you think that's going to be a, a major point um, outside of outside of the line? Obviously, what, what do you think is a major point of emphasis for us to win this game? 
Oh, man. I mean, I really think that this is a really a team that we can't sleep on. You know, not only are they our rival, but I think this is a team that could easily be five and four as well. You know, when you look at some of the games that they lost, man, three of their losses were by seven points or less. And one of those losses was to the Seahawks and Matt Shaw was at the helm. And they only lost that game by what? By seven points. So uh, I think this is going to be a tougher game than expected. You know, it's at home. You know, they're hungry right now. There's no team that's more dangerous than a hungry team. You know, they know that they're not going to the playoffs or anything like that. So they got a chip on their shoulder and they want to play spoiler at this point. But one thing that I want to point out is that Austin Hooper is going to be out there tied in. You know, so he's has a knee injury and he led the team with 56 catches and six touchdowns. So, you know, he was a big threat. But um, I, I think, yeah, I definitely think we will win this game. But it's, it's something that could come down to the fourth quarter. Yeah, I really do. I think it's going to be a tight game. But I, I look forward to it. And, man, hopefully we take care of business. Amen. Kevin, what's your thoughts, man? Yeah, well, what I've been thinking about was the – we was talking about the, the moves we made to help our team out is what our cornerback situation going to be looking like because, you know, for all the trouble that the Falcons have had recognized this year, they're actually still number one in NFL in passing yards a game. They still got Julio Jones. They still got um, Calvin Ridley. Uh, I know they traded Muhammad Sanu. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they still have uh, – what's that wide receiver camp from ECU they got a couple few years ago? Uh, Hart, was it? Um, oh, man. I can't think of his name. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, it's been a while. He's a, he can fly too, bro. You're talking about yes. Hardy. He's primarily yeah. – uh, he's on special teams these days. Their, their third receiver actually is uh, Russell Gage, who's somebody that huh. Dante Jackson should be very familiar with. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, he's, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, how, how healthy our cornerbacks going to be this week because if not, that's, that's enough to do damage right there. I mean, we're, we're already a leaky, you know, run defense, you know, we, we start letting them guys, you know, shred our ass for big chunk plays, 15, 20 yards at a time. I mean, this is going to be a long, uh, a long, long day. So, you know, I'm of the adage, you know, with the way I run defense, stack the box and make it to where they have to throw every down. And that way our strength can come back into play, which is rushing the passer. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, another form of face for, for me to all of us is uh, on the Falcons. I, I saw him running the ball against the Saints Sundays is Kenyon Bonner. And he showed some nice burst and a few nice pops on some runs too. So, you know, it would be nothing for him to come back motivated and and try to show us up here as well. So, to be honest, I'm 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 nervous about this game because of what could happen. This team, you know, if the run defense was was half as good as they are now, I would feel 100% confident in the win. Should we win? Yes, we should. Are we going to win? As as shown, New Orleans came off a bye. that was at home. Nobody in the world. The Falcons to win outside of people in Atlanta. Nobody. Nobody. I think even all of us would have said long shot. But hey, I'm telling you guys when, and we all said this before. When it's when it comes time to division rivals, records don't matter. The fact that I yeah. simply don't like you yeah. is enough to make me get up for this one game and try to beat your ass. And sure. I think that that's that's how they got to look at it. So there should be nobody, especially coming off the performance we had in Green Bay. But there should be nobody in the fan base or in the front office or the franchise that should be 
sleeping on his game and already marking it as a W. I think it's going to be salty and tough at first, but I, I, I feel like that that we're going to you know pull away and and ice this thing down. But uh, I, I expect this to be a uh, a tough, hard fought game for for a good good while. So mm-hmm. perfect opportunity for us to bounce back. But if not, man. <laughs> Man, I might have to be off the internet for a while if we lose to the Falcons. Lord, yes. Well, you never lie. Will, what you think, bro? Well, one thing the Falcons did coming off the bye last week was they made a commitment to the run game, and it was a different offense that we saw. I mean, they came out that opening drive. It was a bunch of run plays. The drive was stopped by penalties, but they made a commitment, and it was what allowed them to be successful against the New Orleans Saints. Now, the reason I'm not you know, excited about Devontae Freeman being injured because this Brian Hill had eight carries for 115 yards against us last year, including that 60-yard run in that Week 16 matchup. So he's already gassed us in the run game before. So, I mean, we got to tighten up that run defense. There's no doubt in my mind Atlanta's going to stick with the game plan they did in New Orleans. They got a bat that's already gassed up the Panthers last year. They're just going to line up and ram it down our throats and try to establish that run game, stay balanced. And, of course, you know, that'll open up that one-on-one. You know, we want to load the box. They're going to, you know, try to get Julio and Ridley one-on-one with our corners and win that. So our defense has a challenge. I don't care what their record is. When I see the Falcons' offense, I always think, you know, explosiveness, high yardage output. You know, I think as defensively, the key here is red zone. When we have the worst red zone defense in the NFL, which is concerning. And And the Falcons, I mean, they... That are not very good in the red zone either. I didn't think you got two teams that are good between the 20 and the 20, but terrible between, you know, the 20 to the goal line. So we'll see. I mean, I think I'm confident going in. I think we'll get it together. I can't imagine a Ron Rivera defense sustaining this level of terrible throughout the year in the run game. But, I mean, we'll find out. I mean, this team hasn't shown me yet that they can stop the run. So that's definitely something I'm concerned about on defense. I expect, you know, Kyle Allen, gonna they're going to force Kyle Allen to beat them. I think McCaffrey's always had big games against Atlanta receiver. They like to play that you know, Seattle cover three. That's where Dan Quinn comes from. Basically, your normal cover, cover three with your corners playing press. So, I mean, we'll have opportunities to attack with their injuries in the secondary. I think McCaffrey will have a lot of opportunities underneath. They tend to give you that stuff, Ben, but don't break. Uh, their pass rush, I mean, they didn't have a pass rush at all early on in the season. Then against the Saints, I mean, it was Sac City against Drew Brees. So, you know, I saw a completely different Falcons team this past week against the Saints that we just unrecognizable from that 1-7 start. So I don't think you just can't take this team lightly. You know, Panthers just have to come prepared, you know, build off that confidence, hanging with Green Bay to, Eight and two team NFC North leader and carry that momentum into this game. So we'll see what happens. Indeed. One thing I like to add is just as bad as our run defense is, theirs is pretty bad too. You know, the 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 uh, the red thing was what we saw in New Orleans. You know, that's just a, that, that's a team they got up for. I don't think New Orleans was as as prepared as they should have been, but we should be able to run the ball. And as far as expecting us to stop the run. I'm pretty much past that right now. I just feel like I know Panther Nation doesn't want to hear this, but bottom line is what we have to do is get a get a lead early. 
that's how we're going to beat football teams. We got to play our strength. So even at home, let's take the ball first, get up the field, get points on the board, and play with a lead. That's what we got to do to beat this team right now. And once we get a lead, we can control the clock, run the ball, and keep an explosive offense led by Mike Ryan off the field. That's what it's going to come down to. Yeah. I'm afraid. I'm 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 afraid that we're not gonna be able to score first. I'm I have a I have a bad, bad feeling they're gonna be they're gonna get the ball, they're gonna score they're gonna drive down the field and get up points. Um I'm I'm not too worried about Kyle Allen getting off because he has he's shown improvement every single week. His his throwing is 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 on point, so I'm I'm not too worried about that. I'm just worried about them getting a lead and then them keeping our offense off the field because we can't stop the run again. That's the only thing I'm worried about. Cause they, I mean, it's Julio Jones, bro. We got we we got two of our starting corners either going to be dinged up or not playing. They, I'm afraid Matt Ryan is either going to get off. Or their running game is gonna is gonna make us suffer. I I, I I'm I'm just not. We're, we're too up and we're too up and down, bro. I mean, we play well at home, sure, but I'm worried, man. I'm I'm like you, Kev. I'm 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 a little bit worried about this game. To be honest with you, that rival that rival stuff is real, folks. And you know, <laughs> it, it 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 is real. But you know, we have a chance to win the game. We also have a chance to shoot ourselves in the foot. I mean, I'm. Confident. I mean, when you thing is when you look at compare what we have versus them, and I'm confident if we play our game and can execute consistently, take care of the ball, that this is a winnable game. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still are a two and seven team. They get a lot of penalties. They're a lot of undisciplined. They beat themselves. But I mean, that's what we do too. When our losses, <laughs> you know, we turn <laughs> the ball true. over that's and true. things. But I mean, they, there's a reason they are two and seven. I mean, they will move right. the ball. They get a costly penalty. Right. And on missed field goals, things like that. They do a lot of goofy stuff that losing teams do. Mm-hmm. So we, I think that's another big key to victory this week as well. We have to be able to capitalize on their mistakes because like a two, like bad football teams do, they will come. But, mm-hmm. you know, we have to be able to capitalize and make them pay for it. True. Score predictions. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 20, 29, 15 Panthers. I'll go with 24 to 14 Panthers. And, uh, just to go, just to dig in a little bit before we uh, wrap this up with the Falcons, I got a key matchup. You know, they got a rookie right tackle named Caleb McGarry, hmm. who's a really physical, nasty guy. But even in college, he struggled with speed rush. So I want to see our rookie versus their rookie. I want to see Ryan Burns get after it. I think that's a matchup that we can certainly take advantage of. That's something that I want Panther Nation just just to follow a little bit. Their right tackle, Caleb McGarry. Versus Brian Burns mm. and uh, Marquise Haynes, and mm. if you, I don't know if Christian Miller will be healthy, but speed is something that we can take advantage of. So mm. we can take advantage of our speed. I'll call it right now: twenty-four seventeen Panthers. Well, for me, you know, with Brian Burns still struggling uh, with the uh, with his wrist and adjusting to it, because I think he's only had like one tackle in the last couple of games. Like it's. Uh, it's really his hot September has really been cooled off, you know, since he uh, since he hurt his wrist. So, yeah. personally, you know, if someone's going to take advantage of McGarry, I like to, I like to, for the veteran to do it, um, Bruce, Bruce Irvin. Yeah. I, I think that he's uh, he has enough savvy in savviness to to do it. And like I said, he gets low bend and he can come off the ball uh, quick. Maybe not as quick as Brian Burns. 
due to them young, fresh legs, but still very effective. So if anyone's going to take advantage of that matchup, I can see it being uh, Bruce Irvin until Brian Burns' wrist can fully heal. And I've never had a wrist injury, so I don't know if this is something he's got to play with for the rest of the year or a few more weeks. You know, I know there's something that hasn't really been discussed a lot. You know, he's been playing with a club on for for about a month, you know, ever since we was over in London. So, and he's been um, having a difficult time because he, he, uh, I remember in the Tennessee game, he had Ryan Tannehill all wrapped up, but he just couldn't bring him down. And, yeah. and you could just really tell that it's, uh, it's frustrating him. And so, you know, that's, that's what I think could take advantage of it. As far as the score, and I, you know, I said what I said, but I, you know, I'm always the optimistic guy. You know, they are two and seven for a reason. I think they're going to help us make them two and eight. Give me Carolina 31, Atlanta 14. Hell yeah. <laughs> Y'all just point hey, out. I'll get back on Kev for a little bit. I like to see uh, Bruce Irvin take advantage of that matchup to the point where if you look at the Saints' number one pass rusher, Cameron Jordan, who, you know, makes a living off of being physical, he held him in check. <laughs> Cam Jordan didn't even touch Matt Ryan last week. That's why I think it's just something where it's going to come wow. back down to us using our speed as the advantage to take advantage of that matchup. Really? Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. go ahead, Ken. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say 29-21. And uh, I think, you know, if you, you look at their games this year, uh, a lot of teams haven't had any problems scoring against them. I know they're revitalized now. I know, I know Dan Quinn has them fired up, but. I think this is a perfect opportunity for us to bounce back. The Caffrey have a big game. DJ Moore continue to do what he's been doing, you know, and he's quietly having a very, very good season. And uh, yeah, I expect him to tack on a few more touchdowns in that game. You know, Curtis Samuel and and Greg Olson, man. Yo, man, he's revitalized, hasn't he, man? He had a big game <laughs> last game. So I expect that trend to continue. But uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, man. I think it'd be a tight game. I think they're going to play us tough. And they, you know, they they think they can beat us, man. Like I said, man, please don't sleep on them. You know, to all the fans out there, you know, this is a rivalry game. We hate the Falcons, but man, they they're gonna put up a fight. But I, I think, you know, when it's all said and done and the, the smoke is cleared, we'll come out on top. You'll be hearing Sweet Caroline. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, and Olsen is a notorious Falcon killer, if I'm not mistaken. Oh man. Since joining the Panthers, I think his highest uh production average. Um, against any of our NFC South rivals, has always came against uh, the Falcons, and and uh, if I'm not mistaken, Larry, you can check me if I'm wrong. I think one of their other uh, outside linebackers is is hurt or out. I'm not sure, but I know Debo Jones usually doesn't cover Olsen, but um, yeah, I see the old man having another another big solid productive game as well. They'll probably try to match Devondre Campbell up on Olsen, and he's not the best linebacker in coverage out there. He's actually – his strength is stopping the run. So a lot of teams have success getting their tight end involved to get against the Falcons early. So that was a great matchup point that Canardo pointed out. Greg Olsen might be the X factor in this game because, quite frankly, I don't see anybody on their, in their defense that can really stop him. If they're susceptible to play action, it's going to be a long day for that for that Falcons defense. Oh, they'll be susceptible because they're going to sell out to stop the run. That's guaranteed. They can't do it out of their base package. They can't do it. So they, they haven't done it all year. Everybody's been able to run on them. 
they had to sell out to stop Kamara. They're going to sell out to try to stop McCaffrey. So mm. that play action should be open all day, all along. But I just want North to make some adjustments, man. Put our yeah, offensive man. lineman in the position to succeed. Yeah, it shouldn't always just be a five-step drop back or a play action. Roll that man out every once in a while. Give him some options in an open field. Yeah, and another thing is to, uh, you know, with this thing, I don't know if y'all remember from last year, uh, that that damn safety Kazi, whatever his name is, the one that got the dirty hit on Cam. I mean, he yeah. was um, he was a uh, flat for a susceptible call. Uh, this uh, when I was watching the game against the Saints. So, you know, he's also someone, uh, an instigator that you know to keep an eye on to, you know, take hard shots and you know some even some dirty play i think he's like number 27 i think that's his number he's a safety but yeah he the one that call him kz that's how they say it yeah kz yeah he the one that when cam went for a slide and he hit cam in the head and tory smell you know jacked him up (laughs) tory had to do the cobra clutch boy he's about to get in him (laughs) yes sir yeah so yeah, but uh, f that guy though for real, cause uh, real that was that, yeah that that I, I don't like that. My quarterback nah, sliding, you still going for the head? Nah, bro. So you know, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now DJ might get off on him again, bro. He's he's on a nice little uh nice little tear right now, man. DJ quietly killing people. You know, he had that nice little stiff arm <laughs> on a, a deep a deep end route. Took off on him, man. I th- I think he might get off on these guys. Yeah, you've been listening to them old Fuji's that Lauren Hill, he's killing them softly yeah. lately. You know, back to back one hundred yard games. Yeah, uh, he's he, he's catching. Um I see his rock running getting better. Um yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean he's solid putting together. I think Will pointed out he's on pace to have what like what eleven hundred yards or something if yes, he sir. maintains his current pace. Um yeah. I thought I saw that earlier. Yeah. What we need to do is go back to that that week two matchup we had with them last year. And, you know, definitely study that second half because that's, you know, I don't know if you guys remember we had a slow start in Atlanta. I was at that game. But that second half and most of the fourth quarter, it seemed like we were able to do whatever we wanted to do. So definitely go back to that film if you have access. You just got to hope that Norv is doing that too. (laughs) But it's a lot of things. If you study the film, there's a lot of weaknesses that you can take advantage of because their defense Mm – isn't nearly as good as it was last year. It wasn't that good last year either. It wasn't. So, definitely. That's true. Facts, gentlemen. Facts. That's how we roll as the four-man rush. All right, guys. Uh, Any closing remarks? If not, we'll Just know that uh, I'm a Falcon killer. You know, it's hate week. I don't think we talked enough about <laughs> how much we hate the Falcons. Yeah, I can't I stand them. I know I got some family members that are going to listen to this episode. My brother is a diehard Falcon fan. Aww. Shout out to you, Amir. My my cousins, Lisa Haynes, big time Falcons fan. But it's K's up on them, man. I, I hate the Falcons. I like I like smoking them and throwing them <laughs> on the grill. And I'm glad that they beat the Saints because now they should have got pretty full. They're pretty full, so they're going to be worth eating this week. So let's get to it, man. Yeah, man. I can't wait. This is, a, this is a game that, you know, if you want to make it to the playoffs or you want to go in any further than that, you have to win a game like this. Just like Will said, you know, is even though they could have been a little bit better, you know, they had some close games. They're 2-7 and seven for a reason. You know, they, they made some costly mistakes and, you know, they 
they find themselves, you know, at the, you know, the bottom of the map. So hmm. I, I know a few of you predicted it didn't happen. I didn't see it happening like this, but yeah, here we are. But like I said, if we're serious about making a run, you know, it, it has to start on Sunday. We, yes. we can't lose this game. Yes. And if not, it, it's, it's going to be trouble in paradise, fellas. Yes. It can't happen, man. Yeah. If we lose to the Falcons, we can go ahead and start the pre-draft process. Yeah, you're right. Like that. You're right. <laughs> I leave off with this stat with the Falcons. This season, they had 691 yards rushing and 585 yards in penalties. They almost got more penalty yards Dang. than rushing yards. Dang, that's hard. That how you keep a job in that? Also, a lot of talk of there's a lot of talk going around that they're not even going to fire Dan Quinn. The guy that's really on the hot seat now is uh, Thomas Dimitrov, the GM. Really? I guess Arthur Blake is thinking in his head he's going to go ahead and fire uh, Dimitrov and give Dan Quinn the keys. So what? Dan Quinn is definitely trying to finish this season off strong because that's a job that he wants. So basically oh, what man. I've been hearing on the radio is if he can finish off strong, they can will out at least six of their last seven games, you know, they're probably going to give him the keys, just so y'all know. Wow. Oh, well. Yeah, for me personally, you know, this is also hate week for me. Like I said, I equally hate all our divisional opponents, but, you know, due to the fact that my father's side of the family is from Augusta, Georgia, and I got, I think, three cousins and a great aunt and an uncle in Atlanta. So, yeah, I definitely, uh, yeah, a win against them is always, is always going to be something that I get to get to enjoy. Y'all probably seen on my post throughout the years, my annoying cousin, David Avery. You know, he always be saying something slick, something sly. He's been, he been quiet, though, lately. You know, he ain't had much to say this year. But, you know, I definitely look forward to, um, you know, you know, having some, like Larry said, some some smoked falcon. You know what I'm saying? It's got a little bit of saint left over in it. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right, man. Well, ladies and gentlemen. I believe we have uh, given you all that you can handle in terms of uh, football knowledge on the Carolina Panthers for uh, this this past Sunday up until now. And um, gosh, I hope you guys show up for that football game. Um, I believe it's the salute to veterans game too, right? Yes, it is. So right on. Shout out, shout out to all the veterans that are listening to the four man rush. I know yesterday Monday was uh, Veterans Day, so for if you're a veteran. You know, it doesn't have to be Veterans Day for you to get love. Right uh, so, Timmy Vo, yourself, you're your veteran. Happy Veterans Day to you as well, brother. Appreciate it, man. You uh, too, bro. Using the using the Navy, and uh, uh, how many years did you serve? Uh, four active, three non-active. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. So, um, myself, I'm a veteran. I did six in the Army mm-hmm. from uh, '99 to 2005. So, hey, you know, to all my, all my fellow veterans. You know, you are appreciated, and uh, thank you for supporting the four-man rush. Absolutely. I personally like to thank both Timmy and Kevin as well, and uh, my brother, Kwanik Jones, who uh, just came home from Afghanistan a couple of months ago. Word. He's a bomb specialist in the Army. Uh, classmate of mine I got close with. I know he's listening to our podcast because he's a diehard Falcons fan. Damon Boyd, uh, he's a, a Marine as well, so. A lot of lot of shout outs to the veterans, man. I really appreciate y'all. I appreciate the wisdom y'all give us, y'all give to us back. And uh hope you enjoyed your day yesterday. Appreciate that, man. And um, yeah, ditto. <laughs> ditto to all you all you vets out there, y'all. 
Stay safe. Do what you got to do to survive. Um, and um, yeah, thanks for listening. And um, on behalf of myself, Timmy Vio, and uh, our special guest, Kenardo, a.k.a. Kenny G, Larry, Kevin, and uh, Will, thank you so much for listening to the, uh, to the Four Man Rush podcast. Um, whether you're listening to us in the morning, afternoon, or evening, we are always, always super glad that you guys are checking us out and uh, spreading the word about um, probably the best podcast out there in relation to the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I said it. What? <laughs> hey, y'all have, a- <laughs> y'all have a great day, great morning, great evening. And as always, keep pounding. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks, Kenny. You did a good job, bro. Uh, he dropped off like as you was wrapping up. Oh, I thought that was Larry. Larry be jetting out on us too, man. I, <laughs> Larry, like I'm done. <laughs> nah, man. I sorry I was late too, man. I was trying to get my son together. Bro, you never have to apologize for your kids, homie. Never, ever, 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 ever. ever. You handle that. I just want to let y'all know I'm dedicated, man. I, I love doing this. So I'm going to try to be active as much as I can. Yeah. What y'all think about this Kaepernick thing, though? I got seed to believe it. I got seed. To, I don't know if they're just blowing smoke trying to get some publicity or what, man. I, I got seed to believe it, man. Uh, his, his agent's name is Jeff Nally. I heard that he spoke with about five or six NFL executives, and they've been working on this for a while. Like, it's not just something that. They woke up yesterday and said, you know what, let's have a workout. Yeah. <laughs> in front of the team. There's something that they've been planning for a while. Because what's happening is... The Foreman Rush is brought to you by the love and respect of and for the Carolina Panthers and Carolina Panther fans everywhere. Keep pounding. The Four Men Rush is a non-affiliate of the Carolina Panther organization. All thoughts, assessments, and content of this podcast is directly related to the Four Men Rush exclusively. Thank you.